Well, good morning, guys. Uh, my name is Sean. I am one of the elders here at BC. And so it is a third Sunday. So kids, you are stuck in here with me. So where, where are the kids on this day? I see some kids. All right. As, as you would expect from me, I'm going to have some questions. And I expect answers. All right. My first question is, how many kids here are, have younger siblings? Okay. All right. Excellent. My next question, are any of these younger siblings like babies or toddlers, you know, like smaller, often held? Okay. Okay. Um, but all of you older siblings experienced having younger siblings that were smaller, maybe, handheld. Okay. So my next question is this. Are you guys able to talk to your parents? Like, do you have conversations? You tell them the things you like, the things you need, you want, all that? Kids, do you talk to your parents? Raise your hand. Yes, I hope you talk to your parents. Great. Matthias, don't worry, we'll get there. I saw that face. All right. So, my next question is this. With your younger siblings, when they were babies, could they talk really well? They were very articulate. All right, so you guys had babies in the house, or toddlers, and were, were they talking to your parents? Were, were they saying everything you are? Were they like, I require a diaper change in this moment? Or did your parents say like, hey, you stink, let's get this fixed, right? So you guys, as you got older, you learned how to talk. But when you were younger, the truth is, you also were in those phases. I know, this is a surprise to you, but at one point you were not as articulate as you are right now. So my son Zeke, he and I talk on all of the things. We love to take deep, nerdy dives on everything that we can. Um, not everybody around us loves when we do that, but we love to do that. There was a time, I remember my first conversation with Zeke, and I will express it to you right now. Purper, purper hand, purper shoulder, purper. And I said to Crystal, what? And she said, it was a caterpillar. He held a caterpillar. It was on his hand and it crawled to his shoulder. And I was like, oh, okay. So uh, I did need some help. But when he said this to me, I wasn't like, hey, stupid, the word's caterpillar. <laughs> I said, you, you have a caterpillar? Don't worry, I've got pictures. I didn't want to show them today. We have a different slideshow. But so, so, and kids, you did and have and will do the same. Like, you didn't say all the right things to your parents, but your parents, they love you and they want to hear from you and hear what you have to say and they want to meet your needs and they want to hear your thoughts and so this is we're, we're getting heavy handed here and it's the kids sermon so I think it's okay and it will be later too but that is exactly how our Heavenly Father approaches us we can pray and we can do it in our feeble feeble words we don't need anything special or grand. And kids, when they pray, 
they just say it. I would say, as a whole, I have heard more kids here pray than probably more adults outside of like our uh, confession time. But like other than that, sometimes adults get kind of quiet and they're afraid of how they sound in prayer, but, but kids aren't. And I think that the kids have a lot to teach us when it comes to prayer. So today we are looking at the, the Lord's Prayer in light of adoption. So we're going to read like a section of Matthew and we're not going to get too far past the words, our Father. So, uh, so let's, let's read together. I mistakenly didn't add all of what I want, but I'm, I'm going to read it to you. So we're in Matthew 6, and I'm going to give us 5 through 14. All right. It says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. All right, let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that you hear us and that you care and that you are present and that you make good on the feeble words that we bring to you. Father, I ask that you would make good the feeble words that I bring today. Help, help us to love you more as a result. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so a few things. Um, like I just want to go through some of the, the who, what, where, whens, and whys on this. So why am I talking on this? Because it was the next one in line in this series. Otherwise, I would not be the guy who's like, let me talk on prayer. Because it makes me really nervous to talk both on prayer, which has been written on and talked on so much more by many people who are far more articulate than I. So in the event that you're like, I'm really hoping he says this, probably not. So just giving you that warning. If you're like, I hope he quotes Martin Luther here, he's not. He's not quoting Martin Luther today. Um, but uh, I, I also really enjoyed preparing for this. So what, what do I have to offer here? Again, not much. I am, I am only going to point you to Jesus. Uh, I... I read a whole bunch of books on, on prayer and was like, I'm going to bring you guys the latest in prayer research. But it turns out, nope, like we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about prayer, prayer tactics at some point at, towards the end, you know, where we like to make it practical. 
But for the most part, again, many have said it better, and I can point you in their direction, but today we're just going to go with what Jesus said. Um, and then who is this for? Now this, this part was central for me. Because in all, in all the things that I was reading on prayer, there was like, here's what you need when you pray. Here's the m mindset when you pray. Here is, and it was like this whole list of things that were like, what? I don't, I don't do all of that stuff when I pray. And then I realized that like some of that can be a hindrance. I would say if you're reading on prayer and studying on prayer, it is helpful so long as it remains helpful which is where I stand on a lot of things that are like, like uh, Timothy Keller's book on prayer has some really good stuff in there, but it also has a whole lot of historical information in there that was like, so monks used to get up at 3 a.m. and pray. Do I do that? They found it wasn't effective. We didn't, we, you don't have to do that. Do we keep all of the watches of the, throughout the day? I don't know about that. And so what I felt in light of that is that kind of makes it so that prayer isn't for everybody. But prayer is accessible to everyone. If, if we are going to put any sort of obstacle in the way, then it, it kind of negates the gospel. If, uh, like, prayer, I would say, is the expression of the greatest news. We get to pray because of what Jesus has done, we get direct access to the Father. So, so nothing can or should get in the way of that. You don't need to have a specific time set aside for, for prayer. I would recommend it, but that, that one hour long quiet time in the morning is not what grants you access to God for the rest of your day. It is, there, is, there is no part of what you do there that makes God more accessible to you later because he is always accessible at every time, wherever you are. And I think like in some of the things that I was reading, there was one book, the book we all read in the prayer class where it talked about like prayer is breathing. And I get it, but I think it's prayer is more like a, like a meal. Like you... Like, there are meals that are like, we, we geared up for this, and it, I ate a smaller lunch yesterday in hopes of all that I would gorge myself on last night, and actually I ate a pretty big lunch too, so I'm an old-fashioned fatty, but all in all, like, there are meals that, that, that you love. You know, you sit down, and, and that, it's planned out, and then... There are meals where, as a, as a trash man, I get hungry. And I eat like eight apples throughout the course of the day. <laughs> there, that's not a glorious meal. I'm not, I'm not like, mm, 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 this is great. It's more like, this is keeping me going. I say that because there are times where prayer is that. It is, it, it is quick. It doesn't have to be all of these things. And maybe, maybe this isn't you. Maybe I am exclusively preaching to myself, and this is a selfish moment, but I'm just being honest with you, that there are times where 
Um, I have been harsh with my family because I have ha had an insufficient quiet time or have been like, you're interrupting me while I'm conversing with the Lord. Hold it. I think the manifestation of that interaction with God should be graciousness and kindness towards those around me, not, no, this is my time. Um, that's one of the things that I really enjoyed in Paul E. Miller's book uh, on prayer, The Praying Life. I think it's, it's pretty good. I like that one too. Um, but he talks about like, if you, we're not going to have, if we live like, like Jesus would have us live, we're not going to have these like silent monkish lives unless you're a monk. Clearly you're not because you're here. So like you are going to have a life full of noise. There are going to be other people around. And I think it's important to figure like that you know that's okay. It's okay if your house is loud with children. I support that. I mean, mine is perfectly silent all of the time. We don't all just make noise to make noise. It starts with me. It's my fault. Okay. So, so we're, like I said, we're making this pretty much to our and Father. Because we're, we're talking about adoption. So, when Jesus says, our Father... What he is saying there is he's saying he is your father. When you get to pray, you, you get to say your father. But his words are, when you, when you pray, say our father. And so, like, who is the other ours there? And I want to I wanna lean two directions, so I'll stand in the middle. Um, our being he is both the father of Jesus and you. You share him, Jesus as, as our brother, God as our father. And also, everyone else who has trusted in Jesus, he is their father too. You do not have exclusive rights to God. You, you have very inclusive rights to God. And I think that that is very important for us to remember because I think often God loves me more than you. And when you have wronged me, then obviously I can, I can hold that against you and assume that because of my deep and rich theological knowledge, I'm better. And we know that that's, that's not the case. God loves those who know very little on prayer just, just as much. It, our relationship with God is not contingent on our theological knowledge. That is helpful those things should enrich, but they shouldn't uh, be the center. Same with, with anything that you're studying on, on prayer. Like, we, I don't hear me saying, like, don't study theology, don't study your Bible, don't study prayer. Do those things, but do those knowing that, that they aren't earning you more salvation. Like, they are a way to, to grow you in your richness with the Father, they are, they are not the way that makes you acceptable because Jesus has already done that for you. Dallas Willard, um, one of my favorite quotes from him, uh, said, the gospel is, opposed to, uh, is not opposed to effort, but opposed to earning. So, so yes, we should be striving for things, but you, there is nothing that we need to earn. Um, 
Okay, so now I want to take a little time and talk about like R and then father. So I think when it comes to fathers, there is some correction we have to do or adjustment in the term of father. Because we all don't share the same definition of father. Um, and I think that, that we should, because our fathers, knowing as many of you as I do, I know that some of you guys have fathers that are absent. That are, that are gone altogether, that are indifferent, that are harsh, that are unloving, uncaring, unforgiving, abusive. And some of you guys have great fathers. Some of your fathers will stick around and paint your entire house while everyone helps you move. Some of you have fathers who will build you anything that you ask. Some of you have fathers that if people are at your house would always decide to start cooking for everyone there when he was tired when he got home from work. That was my dad. It was pretty awesome. Um, but those things are great because they are like a, a, a glimmer of what is to come. Because we have a father who is preparing a place for us who spoke the earth into existence, who is preparing a huge feast and banquet in the end. But what about, what about everyone else? What do we do with that? Because we do have these feelings that, that we apply to God based on our Father. Like, some of their errors are, are some of the errors that we bring to God. So, who, so who is our Father in light of that? So God is present. Jesus promised that, that he would never leave us or forsake us. He cares. In Revelation, in one of the letters, he says, I, have, like, I am familiar with your weeping. Like, like he knew that. He is not indifferent. Uh, he is not slow to act, as Second Peter talks about, he, where, where Peter reminds us, that God is not slow to move forward. He, he is acting, and we don't always see or understand, but he is, and he cares. He is not unforgiving. He is very forgiving. He has removed our sins so far as the east is from the west. What we have done wrong, he has made right. Um, we were dead in our trespasses and the uncircumcision of our flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He is not unforgiving. He is not inaccessible. He's the one who, who made it so that we could get access to him when we were the ones who said we did not want anything to do with him. Um, there is no statute of limitations on your forgiveness. Um, your forgiveness is based on Jesus. You can't add to that and, and you can only accept it. Like, 
He's not waiting for you to have done the right thing or said the right words or given the right apology. He's not mad at you now and then not going to talk to you for a while and then going to pop up later and be like, okay, now it's okay. It's okay now because of Jesus. You did nothing to earn that salvation in the first place. You're doing nothing to lose that. He is gracious and kind, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. So you can't lose that by your mistakes, and, and you will have them. He's not going to point out to you harshly and rub in your face all that you've done wrong or remind you a couple of years later about the thing that you did that you already said sorry for, that you can't undo. No. He made that right when, when you might have gotten it wrong, but, but God made it right for us. Um, he is not disappointed in you and impatiently waiting for you to fail again. That is not our Heavenly Father who waits with his arms crossed, and when you do it again, he's not going to greet you with, I knew you were going to do that. Uh, when he sees us, he sees the perfect righteousness of Jesus. In Ephesians 2, 4, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So, that is what he'd done. Yet, yet we're like, uh, like I think, I think what what you might have heard is he sat us, seats us with Jesus, but really it's he has you sit in the corner to think about what you've done. I'm kidding. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. It turns out that you do not have to sit in the corner and think about what you've done. He, he is not disappointed in you. Um, and all of that to say he, he is accessible to us. Jesus says when you pray, he assumes you're going to pray. So one of the questions is, like, I have two questions after, after I think about all those things. One is I hope that that informs us on, on our Heavenly Father and that that's the definition that we're going forward with when we, we say our Father. He, he's not a bigger, better version of our dad. He's not... He's not a bigger, better version of us. He is altogether different. He is the one who pursues and makes right. And so when I say all these things, and, I've, and, and I know of absent and harsh and all those sorts of dads, what do we do with that information about our dads? I think this gives us freedom to, to forgive them and to be gracious to them because they also need that same grace that we need from the Heavenly Father from whom we need it. And so we can, we can forgive them and be gracious to them and kind to them and, and patient. Uh, obviously, there's a few things there. I think, like, if in the general, like, your dad was super harsh, there's forgiveness. 
in the, your dad was abusive, there is forgiveness, but I'm not saying anything about uh, closing the gap and always like making yourself accessible there. I think distance is, is appropriate when appropriate, and I think that that would be a thing that, that you would have to work through, I wouldn't say, hang around your abuser. Never a thing I'm gonna say. Um, okay, so we made it so far as our father. So where does that fall in with, with prayer? So, Jesus has afforded our access to our Father. So we should pray. Because that's, that's a byproduct of, of what Jesus has done. So, what if we pray the wrong thing to our Father who loves us and has made access to himself for us? Well, thankfully, he has also given us his spirit, which we have in, in Romans 8.28, or 8, uh, 8.26, uh, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray. Uh, we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. So, how do we begin to pray to our Father who loves us and has given access to Himself through His Son and gives us the Spirit to help uh, make what He says better, or, or make what we say better? I would say this. I think you should start. I think a great place to start would be the Lord's Prayer as a, as a good framework. Like, and, and I have, there are lots of, of frameworks out there. There is exclusively the Lord's Prayer here. There is acts like the adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. There are a lot of, of different ways. But what I am hoping to offer you here, beyond anything else, is the freedom that you don't have to do it any of those specific ways. We are to, to honor our Heavenly Father. Like, I'm not saying that it's just like throwing it away and say whatever you want. But I don't think that you're going to approach him in that regard, so I'm not going to spend too much time on that. Like, I think that'd be kind of silly if you saw me as being like overly permissive by talking about the graciousness of God in, in hearing this. What I'm saying is, like, and this is where it's just me saying things that I need to hear because I am a natural-born legalist. I want to know the way that I'm supposed to do this and then I'm going to do that. If you introduce me to a concept and say, like, this is how it's supposed to be done, I'm like, that's how it's going to be done. Example, trash man, I've pointed this out. I learned from none other than Matthew Aaron Campbell right here. Best of the best. And so he would be like, uh, do it this way. And then I would be like, all right, Matt, I did it. All of the ways you said and he was like, and I was like, was that right? Did it work? Yeah, then it was right. Okay. And so like anytime Matt would tell me a thing, I would be like, I got to do that thing. So like me, when I'm reading any kind of book on prayer and there, a new concept was introduced, it was like, how do I incorporate that into my day? Do I set alarms? So I have set alarms <laughs> where it went off at six o'clock, nine o'clock, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock. 
and they were all named Watches, and I had different psalms that I wanted to read, and it was a burden for me because I never did it. I was just reminded every three hours how terrible I am at prayer. Like, Nothing was accomplished by that other than heaping on the burden and the guilt. And so the only reason why I'm preaching anything that I'm preaching is to me. So I needed this and I needed to, to be reminded because I also, when talking about our fathers, I apply everything that I know about my dad to God, assuming that he is a bigger version of God, assuming so many things. And then, and then when I hear how wonderful God is, then I also think of me as a parent who's like, I, I am not that good. And so I am so thankful to see that and that Jesus not only points these things out, but gives me opportunities to, to fix that. He changes my heart. Like he does these things for me, not me doing them for me. And so that is what I want to offer you guys. I don't have, th this is information that I think manifests in a lot of, of different ways. Um, and I think I, I don't want to give like a whole bunch of action steps. The action steps that I want you to have is God is accessible everywhere at any time. And you can pray to him and he hears you and he cares. He is, is not slow to act. He is abounding in steadfast love. And that is for you, and that is for those around you, and that is for other Christians with whom you disagree strongly. And so we can be gracious to them. They, they are also in the R of our Father. So um, now we have some time. We, we're we're going to transition to the Lord's Supper, and we'll have a few moments to pray, and you can talk to our Father and thank him for, for his goodness and his kindness. Like, I did the Acts thing, the Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication, and I was always like, well, I can't do one without the other. Like, I, I, gotta, get, I gotta get to supplication. Like, I'm mostly here just to ask for things, um, but I gotta get through the Adoration and the, and, and the confession, and the thanksgiving. Okay, checked all those boxes. But I don't know if any, I don't know if you guys have any friends who like check their boxes when they, when they talk to you, and they're like, all right, we're done here. We'll see ya. I, I might have a friend who does that to me. <laughs> and it feels weird. I don't know what to do when I'm like, what? why can't we talk? Because I'm like always available on the phone, so... And I was like, you got to be the one to hang up. I respect that. But it's also like, well, we could have a little, a little free-form conversation. No, list, see ya. Um, but, and that's, that, that is not how it is. I think uh, the other things, like the adoration, uh, that, like all these things naturally happen as we look to our Father. Like C.S. Lewis points it out that like the expressions of joy are just like, that is the natural outcome of amazing things. As, as we were watching fireworks last night, there were oohs and ahs and applause, and I didn't think anybody was like, this is where I do that. Uh, and then also, as we got sprayed by ashes regularly, 
It was a full experience. You guys missed it, hoping to make sure it happens again. But, you know, it was sight, sound, tactical. Um, but, like, <laughs> there, it hurt just a little. Um, but, like, just all the responses. And it was fun to think about that in light of, of, of like, hearing oohs and ahs and concern for our friends who are playing with fire. But, like, all of that is just, like, the natural outcome. As we look to our Heavenly Father and all of the good that he has done, like, as I was preparing this, I was, like, like I said to Crystal this morning, like, I got emotional several times while preparing this. It better not happen there. <laughs> and she was like, oh, yeah, you don't want to look vulnerable in front of people. And I was like, you're right. I don't. I got, I got a tough guy image to maintain. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I want us to take some time, uh, and we are going to celebrate the Lord's Supper, and we are going to look to, to Jesus, who has afforded us the opportunity to talk to our Father, that we have direct access, and it is for anybody who has placed their faith in Christ. It is not just for members of Believer's Church, and so our, the elements are over there. We're, we are going to take some time. Uh, we are going to pray. And uh, so I will, I will pray for us, and then and we'll do that. Our Father, you are so good and kind. You are slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You have afforded our forgiveness. You, you, you don't. Hold our sins against us, which are many. You love us. You are gracious to us. You have given us so many wonderful gifts. And you have given us your spirit, which speaks in words that, that, that we can't, that understands things that we don't that makes good on our feeble attempts to talk to you. Father, help us to love you more. Help us to see you as our Father who cares for us and loves us. So I pray these things in Jesus' name.